This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Don't you understand? It doesn't have to be like this. You have to help. It's gotten out of control. It's too big. It is time to launch a new war against the evil of lies, deceit, and darkness and go all out to win the victory of truth and transparency and light. Sure, go ahead. Believe everything you see on television, everything you read in the newspaper. Go ahead. Get your history out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's right. Oswald killed Kennedy. Yeah, sure he did. Man, you are living in Disneyland. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hello, friends, and welcome to the program. Away we go. Had the, uh, boy, it was hot today. Uh, That sounds like a Johnny Carson uh, joke, doesn't it? And then uh, Tommy Newsom would sit there or stand there and say, how hot was it? Uh, It was was just plenty hot. What else can I say? No joke. And I don't know what it was like where you were, but I hope you were cool. I had the uh, the mighty Aphrodite, and I took the... uh, the twins down to the beach neighborhood. You have to be careful because the the um, the diehard uh, beach residents bristle when you call it the beaches. Did you know that, David? They do not like it to be referred to as the beaches. It is the beach. Anyway, we were down there at Q, uh, Q Gardens and the and Q Beach, and uh, uh, you know, it's one of the it's it was it wasn't as crowded as it should have been, considering how hot it was. And you know what it is, David? I think there's, there's still this hesitation. People don't think that the water's clean. And yet, it is. I mean, there was a time. <laughs> there was a time when you would walk on the water, literally. But uh, no, the, the water is, uh, you know, you're not going to drink it. But it's, it's fine for bathing. And uh, especially if you're just, you know, going in there and, and, and waiting a little bit, cooling off. And the water was cold, I tell you. It was cold. Uh, but the little guys had their, their little floaties on and uh, just bobbing around in the water, having a great time. Didn't put their head under the water, which is probably advisable. Uh, but um, I didn't go in the water uh, because I left my floaties at home. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, however, a good time was had by all and uh, hopefully more of the same weather to come. It's been a great summer. This has been the year of, uh, or the summer for my boys uh, when they fell in love with the water. Uh, they've been in and out of the pool at uh, relatives, and uh, we're planning to head up to Wasaga Beach, uh, north of here, as as many times as we can on a weekday. Obviously, we're not going to fight the, the weekend traffic on the 400, but as soon as uh, my schedule clears up a little bit, we're heading up to Wasaga every weekday until the summer's over. Uh, however, of course, there is always the uh, the issue of gasoline. Gasoline is uh, is a lot like the weather, gas prices, because everybody talks about it and no one does anything about it, right? Well, maybe we can change a little bit of that uh, tonight. 
I'm going to speak with the founder of a, uh, in just a few moments here, the founder of a company called Water for Gas. And what they have developed is a, a kit, uh, a conversion kit. It's a do-it-yourself conversion kit. And it will essentially allow you to run your car on water. A water engine. Turn your car into a water engine. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, it, depending on how you develop or how uh, you install this equipment and, and I, I suppose how you enhance it and so forth. And we'll get the details here in a moment. Um, at the very least, they say, you can supplement your fuel, your gasoline fuel, improve your gas mileage by using this equipment. But in some cases, people have reported that they have doubled their gas mileage. Doubled, imagine. And may maybe even more importantly, the emissions coming out the tailpipe, practically nil. I think we could all uh, live with that. So, why don't we say hello to Ozzy Freedom. That's his name. I know it. It's his, his real and legal name. I've seen it on his California license, although I believe uh, he joins us from uh, Israel tonight. He's the founder of Water for Gas and the author of the original Water for Gas books. Ozzy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Great to hear you. How Welcome are you? And and uh, how are things in Israel? It's, it's quiet and feels very safe. Wonderful. And what time is it over there this morning? 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Well, God bless you for getting up at 6 a.m. to do the show. I appreciate it. No problem. Let's, uh, Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Well, listen, as I was saying, you know, gas prices always top of mind, uh, especially when people are heading out on the road for, for uh, vacations and road trips during the summer. And here in uh, in Toronto, we're looking at about a dollar a thirty a liter, which you know we have it pretty easy considering what they're paying in places like Europe. And and I don't know what the gas prices are are currently like in the Middle East or in in, in Israel. But uh, let's let's just dive right in here and and tell me what what is the technology? What is it that you do at Water for Gas? How does this work? Okay, the technology uh, works with water. And uh, do you hear the echo over there, or is it just on my side? Oh, it's just on your side. You're coming in loud and clear, Ozzy. Okay, great. So the technology is based on water, and what it does is it uses either water by itself or components of water like hydrogen to boost the existing engine and make it better. It doesn't replace gasoline, it doesn't replace diesel, but it just makes it better. It can be done as simple as just water vapor, a stupid little jar. I was amazed at first when the first thing that was put in my 20-year-old uh, truck was just a kitchen jar, a mason jar, with a, a little hose going in with an aquarium stone at the bottom. And I look at the jar and I said, it's empty. There's nothing here. Is that the device? He says, yes. Uh, goes to the garden hose, fills it up with water, puts it in my engine, and within 60 seconds, I can hear that the engine runs so much smoother, quieter. The emissions went down. And I said, hey, what happened? He looks at me and he says, well, it happens in every car. 
and at that day I was sold on water by itself and then after a couple of months you know I started learning how to turn it into hydrogen and all the other sophistication but it's, it goes as simple as a like a one dollar device and, and which how has do you use for many years it's like a hundred years old yes I mean that's true we've heard about water engines for a very long time so this is essentially something that anyone could make if they went to their hardware store and what is it you do at water for gas you 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 tell people how to do it how to build it themselves or do you sell the equipment it's it's both it's we we, we sell it as a do-it-yourself books do-it-yourself dvds people can learn everything about it it's like nothing held back we want as many people to to have the technology in their hands and many have learned it to the point that they sell it to others. We don't, we don't uh, want this to stop. This is actually protection for what I forget, to, to spread the knowledge as far out as possible. But some people say, we want it installed in our cars, or we want to buy a kit, we don't want to build the kit. And we, they just buy a kit and install it, or have their mechanics install it for them. So, again, you're describing it as a glass jar with a tube, a hose that comes out of it. And, and where does that go into? Into the carburetor? Uh, how does it work? Yeah, it, it goes into the carburetor or in the newer cars in the, into the air intake. The, the engine sucks it in, and that's about it. You don't have to change the engine. You don't have to find some way to inject it deep into the engine just put it somewhere that the engine will take it and it will mix with the gasoline vapors and the car will do the rest so what do we what is the principle behind this technology uh, Ozzy is that are you adding certain hydrogen molecules that are that are that are coming off of the water you're adding hydrogen molecules from the water into the gasoline air mixture exactly it could be uh, three things it could be hydrogen that you take from the water uh, which means you you take it on demand you have a a, a glass jar or a plastic jar uh, filled with water there's no hydrogen stored anywhere you just take a little bit of hydrogen a little bit of hydrogen and supply it to the engine or you just take the water and you split it into hydrogen and oxygen and you give both to the engine they're both good and in the extreme, it's just water vapor. There's no no hydrogen or nothing. Just water by itself will do will do less than hydrogen, but it will also do good to the engine and, and to the emissions. And how are you splitting the hydrogen molecules off from from the water? Do you does it have to come to a boil, or how does that happen? A simple electrolysis. You just take the twelve volts from the battery, and you put it into whatever. It could be two spoons in there. Or we do it with, with plates, with uh, with wire, and and just you look at it, and it looks kind of boiling, but it's you see electrolysis happening in there. You see the bubbles coming out. It's bubbles of hydrogen and oxygen. Ozzy Freedom on the line from Israel, and he is the founder of Water for Gas. That's water, and then the number four gas, water for gas, and um, uh, the website water for. Uh, waterforgas.com. That's correct. Is that it? Is that it? Waterforgas.com. Yes. Now, 
Uh, is this dangerous? I mean, are, is there anything that can happen? Can can the uh, can no 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 types of explosions or anything like that? No, because you don't store hydrogen anywhere. It just goes into the engine a little bit at a time and consumed now, immediately. Now, if this was. I mean, what sort of reports are you hearing back from people? Are, are people are in some instances doubling their gas mileage? Is that correct? Yeah, double and more. Like uh, I revisited today the the report from Art Green that was reported on. Uh, let's see what what web station it was in Virginia. Uh, he he more than doubled. Uh, his gas mileage in town, two and a half times, from eight miles per gallon to to 20 miles per gallon. It was reported on WVEC twice. And uh, on the highway from 20 miles per gallon to 40 miles per gallon. And that's on a brand new Avalanche 2008. Yeah, that's a big vehicle. It's like an old car. It was brand new. And he says, wow, it's so much powerful and, and better. It's more so the engine performs better, as well. Yeah, you and old. Yeah, that's the, the report. And what and about another guy that doubled from 15 miles to, to 30 miles per gallon? That was reported on KATU uh, from uh, uh, Orange County. Now, so, sorry, sorry, Lynn County in Oregon. Okay, so have I mean, has this been tested? Uh, you know, under scientific conditions. Uh, ha, ha, have there been, you know, rigorous scientific methods sort of applied to, to testing this equipment to verify what you're saying? Yes, the the principle was tested many years ago by NASA, and uh, actually, if you if uh, I would like to send the, the listeners to AussieFreedom.com, that's my my resume, and on, on the beginning of it, I gave all I show all the books. Two of them are for free downloads, The Science Behind Water for Gas, and another one just under it. That, that book has 260 pages, but it refers to about uh, to over 3,000 pages of scientific evidence from NASA, from the patent office, from the European patent office. It's been, it went uh, through very rigorous uh, testing. But we don't have a, a certain system, a certain model that we can say, okay, we can send that. It, it has so many models to, for so many cars. So I don't have a, a certain system to go and test and, and say this is the end of the road. It keeps evolving. It keeps, uh, it's experimental and evolving. It just gets better. So people... So is it, is it conceivable, Ozzy, that that uh, and maybe maybe you or someone else is working on this is it conceivable that you will be able to come up with a device that will allow an internal combustion engine uh, to run primarily on water with maybe just a little bit of gasoline I'll get you to we'll hold on to that answer we'll uh, pick it up on the other side Aussie Freedom is the founder of waterforgas.com and the uh, author of the original series of books, Water for Gas. That's right, folks. A simple mason jar, a rubber hose, a few other simple items anybody could pick up at the home hardware or, or uh, just about any place uh, that sells such things. And uh, with a little bit of information that you can get from Water for Gas, 
Conceivably, you could at least double your gas mileage. We'll also find out what comes out the tailpipe. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Ozzy Freedom is with us. Love that name. Great name. Uh, and perhaps he's offering us uh, a great deal of freedom Water for Gas is the uh, company he co-founded, and they will uh, provide you with the information uh, you need to convert your car so that it can run at least partially on water. Those are the claims, and uh, as astounding as they may seem, keep in mind, as he has pointed out, uh, that this uh, idea of a water engine has been around almost as long as we've had cars. Now, Ozzy, there was a gentleman by the name of Stan Myers... Um, who supposedly developed some sort of a water engine fuel cell. Some say he was murdered. What can you tell me about Stanley Myers? Okay, I don't know him personally, and the, the story of him being murdered was is on the Internet. You can read it, you can see the videos and all. So, I don't know if it's true, it's just rumor, but... I thought about it when I started Water for Gas. I don't want to be killed. So what what did he do to get himself killed? And from my viewpoint, which this is my personal opinion, what killed him was the secret. He published most of his knowledge but kept some secrets so he can make some money from it or whatever. So I thought to myself, I don't want to do that. I want to I don't want to be another story. So I decided from day one to, to do the inversion of, of keeping secrets, just taking everything I know, giving it to the public, and creating some kind of a club of experimenters whereby I give them everything I know. They experiment, they give me their um, experimental notes and success stories and problems and everything. And then whatever comes to me, I give back again to everybody in the club. So I, would, I thought, if everybody knows it, I'm not the target. Everybody becomes the target. Now, now how, do you know how Stanley Myers' water fuel cell differed from what you're offering? It's very complicated. That's the short, that's the short of I it. I understand. I mean, he it's had... It's very complicated, and, and there are parts missing in his patents. So many people have tried to, do, to replicate it and... They have only partial success. My understanding is, and, and I'm a complete layman, um, uh, he replaced the spark plugs with some sort of injector system, and so that's how he introduced the hydrogen and oxygen mixture into the engine cylinders. He actually had a, he developed a, a special type of injector, is that correct? Right, I saw the drawing, but it's not all. This is just part of the idea. And was, was Stanley Myers claiming that, what, that he could run a car entirely on water? 
Not entirely, but no. maybe 90%. Okay, so before we went into the last break, I asked you that question. Is it possible? Uh, I mean, I know that they're experimenting now. They have prototypes. They're driving them around, uh, uh, automobiles that run on hydrogen. Um, but do you think, using your device, it would be possible, if you were to perfect it, that you could not only just supplement gasoline, but eventually replace gasoline and run a car on, on water? No, not with this system. No? This system is not based on uh, doing extensive changes to the car. Okay. It's doing something small that anybody can do to a rented car even, or leased car. It's just a very simple thing that you add and you can always remove. It doesn't take a lot of money because if, yeah, we can change the engine and everything. I'm not a mechanic. Many other people are not. They just want something simple. To build a water car, I don't know how to do that. But you, this is you, not what I Okay, so let's see what, what sort of is the... Is, is there a glass ceiling here? You mentioned that some cars have reported or individuals have reported doubling their gas mileage. Is it possible right. to perhaps triple your gas mileage? I heard stories, I, I have uh, um, testimonials for triple mileage, but the average is much less than that. The average is uh, like 25 to 20 to 50 percent or something like that. You know, well, maybe more 25, 35. Now, what happens, uh, you, you mentioned that the car is running better, there's no more knocking and pinging and, and, uh, and so forth. What comes out the tailpipe? Is, is there, um, are, you, are you reducing, drastically reducing the emissions? Yes, the most, uh, the scientists tell us that the most dangerous uh, emission is the uh, CO, right? The, uh, carbon monoxide, the yes. Carbon monoxide, right? So I, I can see on the, on the smoke test that have been sent to me, it goes to zero, very, very close to zero. The rest uh, differs, but this, this first one, and you can smell it with your nose. It smells like roses, so you know that uh, something is happening. You're, you're actually reducing the amount of carbon monoxide coming out of the tailpipe to near zero in some instances. Yes. All right, let's go to the phones uh, for Aussie Freedom. Hugh is in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Hugh, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. What do you make of this? Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Surratt. Hello, Mr. Freedom. Yeah, a, a couple, not too long ago, back in the early 60s, I did something like this, uh, a little bit different. And uh, if I can help you in any way, you can call my office during business hours. Uh, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about what I did and you can determine if it's of any uh, value to you. Uh, the primary of the ignition coil, this was uh, w uh, cars with carburetors. It'll work with uh, fuel injection, too. Uh, you boost up the, uh, the voltage from the battery. Uh, usually the, the power from the generator uh, or the alternator is like 16 volts. Uh, you can um, uh, build a transformer that will increase that to anywhere uh, from 50 to 60 volts. When you put that into the primary of the ignition, ignition coil, you have very, very high output, something as high as 150,000 volts, but very low current. Uh, in addition to that, the high voltage, you also have something that uh, does separate the, uh, the uh, water vapor you have a little fuel pump there, a uh, water pump, actually. And instead of fuel, you're pumping in water, which separates oxygen and uh, hydrogen. And uh, a combination of that 
uh, I'll give you an actual example. We used several cars, but the, the most successful one was a, uh, a 1961 V8 in Now, being a V8, it had something like six, uh, 365 horsepower. Hugh, I don't want you to get too technical because you're going to lose a lot of people like me because I'm not a car guy. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. What kind of gas mileage? I mean, you're supplementing the fuel, the gas fuel with the, with the hydrogen, correct? You're not replacing yes, that's it. That's correct. Okay, what, what, what were you doing with your gas mileage? Doubling well, it, tripling it? With uh, 365 horsepower, you were lucky if you got 11 or 12 miles per gallon. Sure. And uh, when you turn this, uh, this device into the uh, primary ignition, uh, you would boost, uh, you, would, you could go uh, back and forth about 50 miles to the same gas station. And uh, when you filled up what you used up, uh, it came to about 24.5 miles per gallon. And that was, we, we called that the Super uh, Novatron. And there was another one, uh, we, we never got a chance to build it. It would be called the Ultra Super Novatron. And we expected that to even double. Hugh, do you have a around to it. Hugh, this uh, do you have a, uh, an email or a website that you can share with uh, Ozzy? Uh, I, I can give to your screener yes. my office number. You can contact me and I'll reverse the, uh, the charges. And Mr. Sert, I should tell you very quickly too, because this will supplement the, um, uh, the format. Uh, in this country, there are thousands of, uh, of uh, uh, fuel-free uh, devices that are not getting a patent. I had one of them. Uh, there is a rule and a law in America that does not allow you to use a fuel-free engine. Uh, it can be uh, used in other countries, but not in America. Uh, I sold a, um, a prototype for $10,000, but uh, the manufacturer in Dover, Delaware, is exporting them to other countries because it's illegal uh, to, you know, to sell them here in America. The FBI and the CIA went down to the car manufacturer and made sure that they were not going to distribute them here in America. Now, what about this device, this, uh, this do-it-yourself kit? It's not you're, not, you're only supplementing your fuel. Would that be illegal? No, this is perfectly 100% legal, at, right. at least to date. Uh, that could change. Right. Well, Hugh, listen, this is fascinating. Thank you for offering some corroborating uh, data. Good to hear from <laughs> Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. I enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. All right. If you want to, we'll put you on hold, and if I can get you to leave your your, uh, office number, then I can pass that on to Ozzy off the air. 10-4. Will do. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you. All right, we feel like a, a, a dating service here for uh, for water engine people, <laughs> but that's it's you know it's the Lord's work. Why not? Let's uh, let's spread the good word. So I guess the my million dollar question would be uh, if this isn't is doing what you're saying it's doing, why hasn't this become uh, picked up by the automakers? Why isn't this standard equipment in vehicles if they can if they can uh, increase gas mileage this way? The- it's a very good question. And, you know, at the beginning, I thought about Stanley Myers and all this fight about uh, petrol revenues and all of that. And it took me a couple of years to realize that it's way beyond that. What we're doing is we are disrupting the bottom line of the car industry. Even if there was no suppression from big oil and all of that. Imagine what happens to, uh, to a car if they sell it to me for $7,845.30, they calculated every cent. It's not a made-up price. There's something called uh, 
planned uh, obsolescence. Am I saying it right? Planned obsolesc uh, obsolescence, yes. Yes. Yeah. So they, they calculated exactly when you come, you're going to come back for the engine, the wheels, and everything else. And that goes into the price. Now, if you take the, uh, this system that anybody can buy for $200 or make himself for much less, then you, you, if you're doubling the, the lifespan of the engine, the car will not survive maybe 12 years, but it will survive 24 years. That breaks their, their calculation of, of, of the price, right? The, you're not going to come back for a new engine or for a new car even. Exactly, yes, yes. So, See? so, so. that's one of the, the additional uh, benefits of uh, running your car on one of these devices is that you're increasing the engine life. Exactly. And, and it's a smoother ride, I'm telling you. It's so much easier and, and uh, feels so much better to drive. Even with a diesel, the diesel becomes quiet. The gasoline becomes even quieter. It's just a smooth ride. How many people have, have purchased one of these kits from, from, from you? How many automobiles do you think are uh, driving around in North America using one of these devices? Okay, on, on our store, just this store, in the last two and a half years, it was uh, 5,700 uh, parts and kits were sold. And about, uh, I think, 270 of those from Canada. You know, I was interested in Canadians especially, but many thousands around the world. Uh, I believe tens of thousands of experiments between do-it-yourself or those who bought kits for me from so many others. Ozzy Freedom is with us here on The Conspiracy Show, the founder of waterforgas.com and the author of the original series of books, Water for Gas. And how many companies out there like you are, are selling uh, do-it-yourself kits or you know the uh, uh, information uh, packets so that people can do it themselves? Are there a lot of companies like yours doing this? There were about 10 of them when I started in 2006. And what happened is that I didn't want to be alone. And when I, I learned how to build the systems and I started teaching them, I had uh, about 2,500 people who opened their own business based on, on, the, on my books. I wanted them to open their own business. So imagine 2,500 people just under me selling to I don't know how many people many thousands I believe so uh, it spread like wildfire and those 2500 are still up and around and, and operating I don't know I, I don't hard really, to say uh, yeah, it's hard no, to track think, internet businesses yeah. I think many of them disappeared but there are hundreds still operation and you have one on your vehicle yeah I don't have a vehicle right now but I had uh, two vehicles in America and I had uh, all of them were on water, yeah. And, and what kind of gas mileage were you doing? I was getting 61-something 60, on the Toyota gasoline. 61 miles per diesel, gallon? Miles per gallon, yes. And almost 64 on the Jetta, Volkswagen Jetta. And what would one of these devices, if I were to buy the equipment myself, or the, the parts, the components myself, a jar and a hose and what have you, everything that I need, what would it cost me at the hardware store? Um, 
depends on the quantities. If you just buy one, it could be maybe $70 worth of materials. $70? Okay. Yeah, I think so. And how quickly, if I have the, if I have the proper instructions that I would get from a company like yours, Water for Gas, how long would it take me uh, to, in, to install that? Assuming you're technical? Yes. Okay, that, that will take like a, about a weekend to a weekend. complete everything. A weekend. And if I'm not technical, it's probably best left to a mechanic? Yes. All right. My first installation uh, took me 45 minutes. And I didn't know anything about cars. I'm a motorcycle guy and an airplane okay. guy. I'm technical, but I don't know about cars. All right, Ozzy, so stay I... with us. Hang in there. Uh, we'll uh, come back to you on the other side. Ozzy Freedom, live from Israel, the founder of waterforgas.com. Intriguing. Maybe too intriguing. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. If I'm not mistaken, Henry Ford's original intention was to run his automobiles on ethanol. Uh, but when you step back and, and take a look at it, uh, why they didn't go that route, it makes a lot of sense now. Uh, it's pretty hard to create a false scarcity with ethanol when you can make it out of corn. I mean, you, it's replenishable. You can just keep growing the stuff in the, you know, the great breadbasket of the American Midwest. Uh, but oil, that's another matter, right? And it's always been my contention that the... The, the aim of the oil company is not to extract as much oil as they can, but it's to keep as much in the ground as they possibly can. And then when it starts to flow, you create wars in order to disrupt that flow, and you create artificial scarcities. And when that doesn't work, you shut down refineries, or you refuse to build ones. Or the oil companies write the environmental laws which make it impossible to build new oil refineries. Artificial scarcity. So along comes Stanley Myers and others who say, wait a minute, we can create a component that you can put in your car that'll double or triple your gas mileage. Now there are reports that Stanley Myers was murdered, perhaps by, I don't know, someone hired by big oil or starts to, you can connect the dots is what I'm saying. You could make that case. Uh, Ozzy Freedom is uh, with us. He's live on the line from Israel. He's the founder of waterforgas.com, and he will tell you how to create one of these uh, uh, devices that you can put in your car to supplement your gasoline, not to replace it with water. It's basically creating hydrogen uh, for your car to burn alongside the gasoline. And here's the kicker. He says the carbon monoxide emissions are reduced to about, oh, approximately nil. Uh, let's say hello to Jeff in South Haven, Michigan. Jeff, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. 
Uh, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Stewart. And uh, Mr. Friedman, I have a two-stroke or two-cycle-powered moped, so it has what they call reed valves, and the cylinder walls around a piston are ported. So that means the fuel mixture would be taken down into the crankcase of the motor. My concern is, can you still use this water system with it to extend the mileage, or would it just rust out the bearings or the metal components in the bottom of the motor? Good question, Jeff. Yeah, I don't think uh, with a little bit of hydrogen you're going to rust the engine. Uh, there's uh, water coming in from, from the atmosphere, especially when you drive in the rain and nothing happens. We're adding a tiny little bit. Jeff, does that answer your question? Oh, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've got to start working on a system for the moped. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Jeff in South Haven, Michigan, thank you for checking in. Well, it begs a great, a great question. In fact, someone was on the line, um, Ozzy, but they couldn't hang in, and, and that is what happens up in uh, these northern climes uh, where water tends to freeze, oh, about November, December, January, right through until early April? What, I, I mean, what do you do? Um, if you're driving around in Canada or the American, uh, you know, northeast uh, and so forth, w w when, when winter comes, won't the water in, in that device just freeze? Water as itself will freeze, but you can use water fluid, uh, washer fluid, sorry. That, that's, that, that wouldn't freeze and will just uh, make just the same uh, hydrogen and oxygen. Is that right? That's been tested. You can replace the water with antifreeze or wiper fluid? Yeah. I, I couldn't uh, test it in California. There was no use, but people have been telling me that. And that's not yeah. diluted. That's just 100%, you know, let's say wiper fluid that's that's graded for, say, you know, minus 30 or whatever? I think 50% uh, water and 50% uh, washer fluid, as long as it doesn't freeze or doesn't, uh, or doesn't totally freeze. And then the electricity of the electrolysis will heat it up and Within five minutes, it's good to go. Have you received um, a pressure to shut down your website uh, and, and stop giving out this information? Absolutely. There was a, a case with Texas that, uh, that uh, was uh, telling me that without giving any evidence that uh, I defrauded the entire 300, they said, uh, 3,200 Texans that bought my book, they said each one of them is a fraud and I have to, to pay $20,000 per. Uh, so basically I owed them $64 million and they just uh, made a lot of noise on the internet. Uh, their accusations went uh, on, you know, copied by other news that uh, look for this kind of stuff. And their accusation was not that, you know, based on science, but it was based on somebody's opinion, some reporter's opinion, that based his uh, article, his internet article, on some professor that didn't test my, my uh, system, but didn't even read my book. They just uh, now, interviewed somebody and said, we tested it 40 years ago, it doesn't work. Ozzy, I got a break. I got the, the music coming up underneath us here. But very quickly, who, was this a class action lawsuit? Who brought these charges against you? The, 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 the Attorney General of Texas 
And it wasn't a class suit. There wasn't even one uh, suit of a reader. Okay, because listen. Every got... reader that uh, wanted his money back got his money back. Okay, we'll pick that up on the other side. Texas, hey, no kidding. Oil, Texas, go figure. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show and Aussie Freedom from Water for Gas. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Ozzy Freedom, that is his real name, is the co-founder, or the, I'm sorry, the founder of waterforgas.com and the author of the original Water for Gas books. And uh, they will sell you a kit or they'll sell you uh, instructions on how to uh, basically build your own kit that can convert your car engine to run at least partially on water to supplement gasoline. And there have been reports of increased fuel mileage of, uh, well, people have said that they've doubled their gas mileage. And there have been a few, I guess, uncorroborated reports uh, of people tripling their gas mileage. Uh, the other benefits of this uh, of this device, essentially running your car partially on hydrogen, is uh, increased engine life, and you can understand the car companies aren't too excited about that, nor the oil companies. Uh, but the environmentalists should be thrilled with the fact that um, the the device will reduce your carbon monoxide emissions to nil. Uh, at least these are the claims uh, people are reporting. And uh, Aussie Freedom joining us on the line from Israel. Now, if I put this on my car, would I void my warranty, Aussie? I don't think so, but it, I would check with the with the dealer or the, you know your car dealer or the insurer or whoever takes care of that. Now, the other thing here before we go back to the calls is, uh, you know. A lot of cars now have all of these computer components, and the and even the you know the fuel injection and all that is run by computer. Isn't there something if you're trying to? Aren't you essentially on a newer model car? You'd have to bypass that computer system, wouldn't you? In a way, yes, it's it's true, and and it's in the books and in DVDs exactly how to to bypass it without again without changing the computer, without changing the car. It's just a little change. All right, let's say hello to uh, Virginia, who's checking in from Niagara, Virginia. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi. Um, I've got a little book here called Cell Foods, and I use Cell Foods. And the man who, he was working on a hydrogen oxygen for cars, and he had the problem of how do you prevent this ice in winter. And the government took his research over and created the H-bomb. He was not impressed with it, so he um, he went to see them, and he was told he and his people were dying of nuclear explosion, nuclear contamination. They'd never been there. So he changed his research to cell foods to heal the body. He said if you heal each cell, you've healed the body. He healed himself, and he was going to take the technology to his grave with him. But a doctor, um, David Dreyer, who was, had come back from Vietnam and was dying, got hold of this, and he begged him not to take it, and he healed himself, and he begged him not to take it to the grave with him, and Dr. David Dreyer has taken it over and has produced the stuff that I take, and his little book, Cell Food, and Dr. David Dreyer's um, 
email and everything is in the back of the book. Virginia, thank you for that. Uh, appreciate that. Hugh, uh, I'm sorry, Hugh, uh, Ozzy, uh, are you familiar with the sort of the, I guess, the origin of um, uh, the water water engine? I mean, does does that connection make sense that the person who developed this technology, that technology was taken to develop the H-bomb? I've not heard that. I have a similar story, but I'm not sure. I, there are so many stories, and there are rumors to me, just as there are rumors to you. I, I can't check them all. What I did is something uh, so much simpler. I give it to the people, go, first of all, taste it. Get the taste in your own car, and then make sense or not sense of any story you hear. You know the old expression, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. And many people may be sitting at home saying, this sounds too good to be true. Supplementing my, 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 uh, my fuel with water, doubling my gas mileage with some parts that cost $70. What's the catch, they may be saying. Ozzy, it sounds too the good catch, to be true. The catch is experimenting. That's the catch, is to, to study and first of all open your mind because uh, it's not such a, a great deal to believe that if the cars are admittedly 80% ineffective, if you just take a little bit of that 80% of waste and, and take it off, what happens is that you have taken your 20%, your 20 lousy percent, and and doubled it to 40 or even less than 40, even just 30, you got yourself uh, so much better mileage and sound and smell and everything. You uh, see, it's uh, this is the thing that they don't think. that They think that our car is 100% and you can't take 100% and make it 200%. No, we, we're dealing with, with, lousy, with lousy engines. Poorly developed engines, or 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 actually <laughs> very cleverly designed engines uh, to uh, uh, so that they're not running at, at full efficiency for some of the reasons that you outlined earlier, built-in obsolescence, and obviously um, they want us to buy as much gasoline as as, as possible. Uh, why not just give away the technology? If 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 you know if the aim here is to to free us from the, the, the clutches of the, uh, the greedy oil companies, why not just post this information free online so that everyone can, can have access to it? The, the information is out there. What I did is just organized it in a, in a more concise way. Um, so when they buy the DVD, they just follow my hands into every little tool, every little thing, and they can do it themselves from there on. Okay, how do people... Um, it's, how do... it's free, it's no, no patent whatsoever. You know? Okay, if, if I want to buy one of these kits through Water for Gas, what do I do? Just go to Water for Gas uh, and in the store, I can see that, uh, let me have a look. I can see that there's a system that starts from, I think, $149. It's the basic one. That's the complete system? Yeah. Okay. And, and there, are, there are more kits than that, but it starts from 149 and then there's a bit more more sophisticated things uh, like uh, acrylic cells, you know, something that has plates and stuff. It's not a jar. Okay. And that includes uh, a DVD on how to install it? No, the DVD is separate. Okay. Uh, it's a set of uh, DVDs for $99. Okay. But it's uh, 10 discs, seven of them. Please understand, seven of those are full-feature full uh, movies like 80 min 90 minutes each multiply that by seven there's wow. a lot of information I show everything the information is out there let me try and sweep one, sneak one more call in here quickly uh, Derek is in Indiana Derek welcome to the conspiracy show 
Uh, yeah, Mr. Ozzy. Uh, I uh, knew a kid that back in the 70s or 80s. I don't know if he got this information from Popular Mechanics or not, but uh, he put something similar to what you're describing through a, you know, a glass jar and uh, tubing and adjustable valve and stuff through a vacuum directly into the carburetor, and he adjusted that and everything. And uh, what he got out of his experience with that was he got a cleaner running engine because water is a good uh, disintegrator of carbon in the engine. But I don't know if he really had an increase in gas mileage or not. I was wondering if your system allows you to deliberately lean out the gas so you can get the, the better gas mileage without harming your engine. All right. Thank you for that, Derek. Good to hear from Indiana. Can you lean out the mixture? Absolutely. That's part of, of the trick. You lean out the system and... Uh, the water and the hydrogen actually lets you lean the thing. NASA has, has said that in 1974, that this is what it does. It lets you lean out the mixture. You know, if it's, if it's this simple, I mean, this should be in every single vehicle. We could drastically reduce our dependency on, on foreign oil. Uh, you know, I mean, what do we need to do to get this technology into everyone's hands. Why isn't everyone buying one of these things? What's going on? Maybe the belief factor. The belief factor, you know? yeah. People yes, are incredulous. That's, that's all. There, there are two sets of DVDs, actually. One is, is there to put it in car, and one is to use uh, this technology to heat homes and, and restaurants or whatever you have. It's just a heater that sits there, uses up uh, as little as 300 watts of electricity, and spits out a whole lot of heat. We just take the hydrogen from water and, and burn it. And off goes the heat into the room, you see? That's remarkable. Listen, uh, Ozzy, we're going to have to do this again uh, sometime. We'll talk about that, uh, that heating system using the same principle. And uh, you know, a lot of people wanting to get in on the conversation who couldn't this time around. So um, would you be good to do that sometime uh, perhaps in the fall of this year? We'll get you back, back on the program. I would love to. Thank you so much. Ozzy Freedom is uh, the founder of waterforgas.com. Water, and then the number four, waterforgas, all one word, dot com. And uh, uh, check it out. And um, if you're so inclined to buy one and install it, I'd love to hear from you on the program. Let me know. And I know Ozzy would love, it, love to hear uh, details as well. What kind of gas mileage are you getting and so forth. One a uh, small step, perhaps, for mankind. Hmm, where have we heard that before? All right, back with more of the uh, the conspiracy show next time. And hey, uh, coming up on the program in the not-too-distant future, uh, Babylon's Banksters, the alchemy of deep physics, high finance, and ancient religion with Joseph Farrell. He'll be on the program. And uh, all upcoming shows are listed at the website, www.richardserrett.com.
From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Note to programmer, note to self, I need a four-hour show. I cannot get this kind of information. It's like trying to shove a watermelon uh, through a, uh, an orange uh, juice strainer. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much information. Uh, and we just have to, con- it's like orange concentrate. That's how dense the information of this program is. Uh, we have assembled a stellar panel, and I'll tell you why. Uh, two days ago, oh, well, technically, I guess about three days ago now, we, we passed the 43rd anniversary of the Apollo 11 lunar landing. Uh, of course, uh, we're, we're all familiar with uh, Neil Armstrong's immortal words as he descended down onto the lunar surface, one st- small step from uh, man, one giant leap for mankind, and, of course, uh, Buzz Aldrin, uh, there with him, and uh, Michael Collins, astronaut Michael Collins, uh, orbiting uh, uh, above as uh, the other two gentlemen uh, walked on the lunar uh, surface for about 15 hours. But hold on now, hold on, Nelly. There are a lot of people, uh, somewhere around uh, 15% of the public in the United States, 28%, latest survey, 28% of people in Russia do not believe that we have set foot on the, on, the, on, the, on the moon, not in July of 1969 and uh, you know, not in the five subsequent journeys uh, to uh, the, uh, the moon. It was a hoax, they claim, and we're going to find out why. Uh, joining me in studio, he's no stranger to the program. Uh, he is, of course, our resident media scientist. He's a playwright. He's worked as a university lecturer, film, radio, and television producer, researcher, director. He initially trained under Marshall McLuhan at the University of Toronto, former president of the Marshall McLuhan Center on Global Communications, and then director of the Center for Media Sciences. And uh, he's also uh, heavily involved in uh, JFK assassination research, uh, a new Mr. Penn Jones, Jr., uh, as well as worked with um, working with Mae Brussel and uh, Sherman Skolnick, the great American Judge Buster. And it's always a pleasure to have Nelson Thal on The Conspiracy Show. Hello, Nelson. Hello, Richard. Exciting times. It's great to be back. I've been listening to you, and the shows have just been fantastic. Thank you, Nelson. And uh, uh, seated to my right is another playwright and researcher, writer, James Joyce Scholar. She's produced the popular internet radio show Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel since 2008 and is currently on hiatus working as a media scientist in the global theater. Ms. Jane Steele, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. It's absolutely Great to be back, Richard. Great to have you. And on the line, joining us on the line is a, um, a professor emeritus uh, of economics at Texas A&M University, College Station, Texas. He's a former chief economist at the U.S. Department of Labor in 2001 and 2002. He also served as the director of the Criminal Justice Center and senior fellow at the National Center for Policy Analysis, headquartered in Dallas, Texas, Morgan Reynolds. Morgan, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good evening, Richard. It's great to be with you. My word. I mean, people are sitting back listening to all of these titles and, and, and uh, um, lofty positions that you have all held and, and thinking, well, why are these three here to talk about the lunar landing? It's, it's, let me ask you first, Morgan. I mean, you're coming at this from a kind of an interesting background. A professor emeritus of economics, uh, you know, at the, at the chief economist at the Labor Department, uh, uh, director of the Criminal Justice Center. 
how did you get interested in in uh, this theory that the lunar landing was a complete fraud? It wasn't till uh, <clears throat> 9/11. <clears throat> My interest in 9/11 uh, led me to uh, review so many things, and the the, the moon hoax is uh, clearly one of the major inside uh, jobs in in our history. You know, man's allegedly greatest technological achievement is a fraud, and uh, I hope we can review some of the specific evidence. So I, I uh, am an economist, a Ph.D. economist. I spent my career at that, but uh, also have always had an interest in policy. So I came at this uh, when I left the Bush-Cheney administration, and yes, I was a political appointee in 2000 and. Uh, one and two, and I left in January of '03. And uh, I, like many other savvy people, knew the whole Iraq invasion was a put-up job. And I asked myself, now that I was free of uh, government duties and professorial duties, uh, what else would they lie about it? Because this is such a huge lie uh, that there's WMD and Saddam Hussein is our new Hitler. And I said, oh, oh. 9/11, because I, I can remember. And then, of course, once you open your mind, once you take the red pill, as Morpheus uh, gave us a choice in the Matrix between yes. the red pill and the blue pill, you no longer want to stay in the world of delusion and uh, start looking, uh, grubbing around it uh, for hard facts. And thank heavens we have uh, the internet as a great resource to uh, search any topic. Nelson Thal, let me throw this question to you, because you know full well that for those people who believe that the lunar landing in 1969 and all the subsequent, you know, the five subsequent lunar landings were, were staged and hoax, was a complete hoax, uh, that has become sort of the, the whipping boy. That has become the straw man argument for those people who don't believe in any conspiracy. I've always said that if you know, believing that everything is a conspiracy is as ridiculous as believing that nothing is a conspiracy. But the lunar landing hoax theory, in particular, has become sort of the straw man argument to, to, to argue against all conspiracies. Oh, you believe in the lunar landing hoax? Well, you must be a complete nutter. Why is it, as a media scientist, you think people have... I mean, let's face it, the majority of people believe we landed on the moon mm -hmm. six times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why is it so hard for people to believe that this was a hoax? Well, I guess we should start off and say we're standing on the shoulders of giants like John F. Kennedy and McLuhan, Marshall McLuhan's secret society speeches and Jim Garrison and Mae Brussel and Penn Jones, Sherman Skolnick. And uh, we know that uh, if you can... Goebbels talked about the big lie. It's, it's not difficult making the big lie stick. And uh, if they can get them to believe in the single bullet theory, then we can get them to believe in anything as long as we pump it through the major news media and prevent dialogue on the media. There's no dialogue and therefore there's no thinking or a comprehensive awareness produced. And so without, there's just debate. And as, as Jacques Ellul said in his book, Propaganda, where dialogue ends, propaganda begins. Ms. Steele, I, I'm going to be 
I'm going to be playing, I guess, the, the skeptic here. And I'm certainly, I'm, I'm, I'm very open-minded about this. I mean, I have another theory, which is an entirely different show. I, I believe we, we landed on the, loon, the moon in 1969, but my theory is I believe that we were there much earlier than that. However, um, let's put that aside for a moment. Talk to me about, give me the, let's start, uh, you launch us in this discussion. The first piece of evidence that you think is important to, to, to analyze and, and, and that you believe supports the fact that the lunar landing was a hoax or staged, what, do you, what would you offer up to someone who, who, who would look at you and say, I don't believe it? I think there could be three or four different things that I could offer up to Let's start you. with one and then we'll... One? we'll... Okay. When you look at the video clip itself and the movie that they did on the moon, um, there are no stars. Now, where are the stars? Um, also, if they were going to go to the moon, there is so much radiation in the Van Allen belt that it would literally kill them. They would be killed by the radiation itself. Let's start with the, 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 the Van Allen belt, uh, the Van Allen radiation. Uh, first of all, let me get Morgan in here. Explain what the, the, the Van Allen belt radiation is all about. Well, it's a, it's a trap for radiation. There's an inner belt and an outer belt. Um, which traps uh, all this lethal radiation out there. And, uh, well, not all of it, but uh, the radiation is uh, common throughout uh, our Earth, et cetera. But uh, we are in a a kind of a cocoon, which is uh, uh, via the magnetic field that surrounds Earth and uh, the atmosphere itself. And uh, it's interesting with the radiation, uh, the Van Allen belt, uh, Van Allen insisted it went out 64,000 miles total, whereas NASA says it's 20,000 or 24,000, and uh, um, space travelers would have uh, gone through there in a few hours so as to minimize this lethality. But in a way, there's too much attention to the Van Allen belt. That's only one of the uh, radiation problems, because then you've got what used to be called sun flares and now called solar particle events. That's a huge problem. Um, and then you've got galactic cosmic radiation coming into our solar system from all over the place. So space, despite these portrayals as a, as a manageable problem, we don't have the technology today. to. to uh, in fact, you know, even in suborbit now with the International Space Station, uh, there is a, a big problem. And uh, this is at a height of uh, between 205 and 255 miles high, but people are up there for uh, 70 days uh, doing tours that are two or three months, and they are absorbing um, uh, excessive amounts of radiation, you know, beyond uh, government standards. So. Uh, Jane mentioned this, and of course that's the number one technological problem that has not uh, been anywhere near solved. You've got to have uh, some kind of a shield, uh, be it lead, you know, it's uh, 32 feet of water, 32 feet of earth uh, on the moon if you were going to protect yourself. There's no atmosphere, no no, uh, magnetic field to to, uh, stop radiation. So it's not the the Van Allen radiation that we should be concerned about. It's just galactic ambient radiation. No, all three types. Okay. Uh, uh, And as uh, Jane points out, a, a lot of this can be lethal. But even, even, even if you absorb uh, uh, 50 rem, you know, or, or 100, you're going to, there's such immediate effects, uh, the risk of, of 
televising this is absurd because you'd be nauseous, you'd vomit in your helmet, you'd, you'd choke uh, to death, you'd have diarrhea, these immediate effects of, of, a, of a good dose of radiation. And the idea that, uh, you know, aluminum, a few centimeters of aluminum in the spacecraft is going to protect you. In fact, it actually diffuses this radiation. Uh, uh, someone has pointed out that the radiation argument actually might be evidence the astronauts went to the moon because the majority of the Apollo astronauts that have been involved in all of the Apollo missions to leave Earth's orbit, they've all developed early stage cataracts, which they say was, was caused by radiation exposure to cosmic rays. I haven't heard that. None of them have developed cancer. There's only one um, astronaut who's, who's died, and that was Jim Irwin, and he was uh, coincidentally going to uh, interview with Bill Casing, the, the, the number one whistleblower on the moon hoax. Okay, we'll get to the lunar death list uh, in a moment. Morgan Reynolds, Nelson Thal, Jane Steele joining us here on The Conspiracy Show discussing the lunar landing anniversary. Was it staged? You tell me. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. What a panel we have assembled here on The Conspiracy Show. We spare no cost. Uh, bringing uh, the, the very best people to you. We have Morgan Reynolds on the line, and uh, he is he's a heavyweight, folks. This is a, um, a, a professor emeritus of, ec of economics at Texas A&M University and uh, a former chief economist at the U.S. Department of Labor, also director of the Criminal Justice Center and senior fellow at the National Center for Policy Analysis, headquartered in Dallas, Texas. He is uh, here to affirm that the uh, lunar landing which occurred July 20th, 1969, was a complete hoax. And also joining us in studio, media scientist Nelson Thal and a playwright researcher, Ms. Jane Steele, also producer of um, the popular internet uh, radio show Shock Talk with Bloom and Steele. All right, now, uh, Jane, you mentioned the, the, the lack of stars visible, and we've seen all these photographs um, of the, uh, the lunar landing. You're saying that there were no, when you look in the background, up into that black sky, I mean, we saw, there were, there were uh, images of the Earth, we saw, but no stars, correct? Well, if I was on the moon, and if we were all on the moon, we would, should have the most amazing panoramic view of the galaxies and the celestial bodies, all of it, the stars. Now, if you look at the videos and the stills that they took on the moon, there's a total absence of stars. It's just a black sky. Where are the stars? What's NASA's excuse for where the stars are? Uh, well, now, here I am playing skeptic again, but I, um, I would imagine that they might argue that um, the lunar landings happen during the lunar daytime, uh, so the stars would be outshone by the sun. Does that make sense, Nelson? 
from what I understand, there should be stars, and the reason why they didn't show the stars is because then it would be very difficult uh, to be able to. It would be easy for an astronomer on the ground to be able to see that the, that it doesn't line up. But there's other things. I'm sorry. Other let than, me just clarify it, that. Okay, I know. I, you want to go? Let me let me yeah. clarify what you're saying because that's an important point. You're saying that if they were trying to recreate, yeah. The uh, you know the, the the constellations and so forth. If they weren't exactly precise in doing that, an astronomer watching it say, "Wait a minute, that star shouldn't be there. It should be over here," and so forth. And so they decided just to. Uh, to not include any stars. Yeah, but let me but ask. There's a lot of other. Just let me just say, there's a lot of other photographic evidence that we just to go through. And we will. There's, we yeah. will. We'll get to that. But I want to. I want to follow up on this, sure. um, Morgan. What if, the the argument that uh, that the debunkers are making is that the reason we don't see stars in uh, from from the lunar surface and all these photographs is because they landed there during the lunar daytime. So the stars were outshone yeah, yeah, by the that's, sun. That's false. All you do is <clears throat> turn your back to the sun. And you should see, because there's no atmosphere on the moon, you, uh, the stars are brilliant, and you see a lot more of them. So, you know, the only reason the sky is blue is because we have an atmosphere. So that's a completely phony argument. And then the uh, Neil Armstrong and the other astronauts insisted they didn't see any stars. Now, we, we know that you see brilliant stars from photos from the space shuttle and the International Space Station, etc., when you're not even, uh, you know, 300 miles out, they are a brilliant display. But if you, on your camera, though, if you, you know, if you're not using the, uh, uh, let's well, say, the manual this, setting, I mean, you can turn a well-lit background into an ink you, black. You just turn your back to the sun, and, okay. and uh, you, the camera's going to uh, see nothing but the stars, the whole sky. Venus is going to be, uh, it's, be the uh, brightest beside the sun, you know, it, it's... This is just completely ridiculous. Wait a minute, Venus? Are we didn't we have pictures of Venus? Didn't Alan Shepard take some pictures of Venus from the moon during the <laughs> Apollo fourteen? Not that I know. Of. No, okay. not that I know. Just a couple of things, Richard. You know, you talk about the cameras. Hasselblads have film in it. Uh, how did they cool these cameras down so that the film wouldn't wouldn't melt? Um, just to get throw out some other. There's no blast evidence right. underneath Even the lamp. You know, because of the radiation, uh, it fogs camera uh, film. It fogs film. Oh, that's an interesting point. I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I send my film, well, not anymore, but when we but had yeah, actual emulsion through the security. Right about the temperatures on the moon, too. The temperatures are tremendous, and, uh, and not only the temperatures, but uh, Dr. Dr. Reynolds knows that uh, when you're in the shadows, the temperature drops tremendously cold. Mm -hmm. And then you get in the sun, and it's, tr it's very, very hot, back and forth. How did, how did the film, how did the celluloid film and the cameras work? The blast, there's no blast evidence. They showed the okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's just stay with the photographic evidence <laughs> okay. for a minute because you know, there's a lot of stuff to, get, yeah. to cover. Let me go back to, uh, to Ms. Jane Steele. Um, okay, so we've addressed the, the, the radiation. We've talked about the fact that there were no stars in, 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 the, in the background. Uh, what other evidence would you offer up that the lunar landing was a, was a complete fraud? Well, in the stills and in the videos, you, you will notice that there are different sources of light on the astronauts. They seem to be in shadow. They seem to be in light, and they're all over the place. Well, in fact, if they were standing where they were, everything would be lit up in the same way it would be here. I mean, yeah, you, you only have, have one sunlight. light source, right? You'd only have one light source, so why are there so many different shadows? So you're saying the angle and the color of the shadows are inconsistent? 
exactly. Which would suggest that artificial lights were used. Yes. And the foreground and the background are all in focus, which suggests front screen projection. But wouldn't they be complicated by reflected light? I mean, the, the lunar surface is, is almost phosphorescent, isn't it? Morgan, let me get Morgan in here. The angle and the color uh, no, of the... I, I haven't heard that claim. Um, th this does remind me of the, the alleged reflectors to uh, bounce laser uh, beams off uh, the moon. But apparently you can do that without any reflectors. You know, that, that's one of the claim of the, uh, the, the government apologists uh, make that um, that, that uh, you know, the McDonald Observatory is uh, pinging lasers, uh, laser beams off the moon all the time. But as far as the reflective surface, I mean, I'm, I went out and looked at the moon tonight. Um, it's highly uh, reflective. Is it, hmm? It's highly reflective. Well, that's the, that's the point. That's yeah. the argument, that if you're saying that there's only one source of light, which is the sun, and therefore you should have consistent angle of shadows. They're saying, well, wait a minute, no, the moon's surface is very reflective. Plus you have, you have an uneven ground, you've got, uh, you've got the reflection of the lunar dust, you've got the Earth reflecting. My, uh, my question really is, why isn't, because of the lack of an atmosphere, why isn't the, their brilliant sunshine uh, illumination everywhere instead of this rather dingy... Um, yeah. Uh, which is another mark of uh, artificial lighting, but uh, you know there isn't enough light on on, that, on these sets to me. Yeah, on these sets, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> on in, these sets. Yes. In, 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 yeah. Uh, some to me, one of the biggest evidence, two uh, photographically, the evidence. Right. Under all the pictures of the lunar lander, there's no evidence of any blast. As this thing was co supposedly coming down in real life, the Roger rocket firing would scorch the moon's surface and would create craters and blast evidence of blast. There's no evidence of blast under any of the pictures. Not only that, the ascent stage of the lunar module when it blasted off there's no fire coming out the no engines, visible flame right? and the speed at which they showed it going was just ridiculous morgan it, it looked like a flash gordon uh, yeah scene. it did no <laughs> blast craters okay no no it's true you don't even see any sign of dust scattering nothing and there's, yeah there's no dust on this gold mylar or the uh, landing pads now, NASA would say what? That the, I guess they throttled very far down during the landing, right? Because it's, it's not quickly decelerated. Oh, so gentle. And, uh, and never been done, by the way. You know, this reverse thruster landing. And you're in a vacuum, which makes it even more difficult uh, than uh, on Earth. Of course, Neil Armstrong almost lost his life in the, uh, the LM um, simulator. Yeah. You know, he, he had to uh, eject. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to control this thing. Yeah, and Go ahead, Nelson. Astrobiology, just coincidentally, Astrobiology magazine today came out, uh, yesterday came out with an article in which they quote David Seibeck, who's in charge of the Radiation Belt Storm Probes, R-A-B-S-P. Here's the quote. And uh, uh, Dr. Reynolds, you should pick up on this because this supports everything you're saying. Um, he says... Quote, particles from the radiation belts can penetrate into spacecraft and disrupt electronics, short circuits, or upset memory on computers, unquote. Oh, yeah. All yeah. right. Let's, uh, let's grab a phone call here, if we could. And uh, who do we have here? Is it, um, is it John in Toronto? Is that who we're... Uh... David Gaskin's busy uh, answering the phones in the other room. Who do we have on the line? Is it John? 
Let's just take a call. Okay, let's say hi to uh, John in Toronto. John, go ahead. You're on The Conspiracy Show. Hi there. How are you guys doing? Well, thank you. You're a photographer, um, I understand. You want to uh, shed some light, no pun intended. Well, yeah, I actually do have some experience with photography extensive. And um, I was just listening to what you guys were talking about with regards to night photography, so on and so forth, and being to and being able to capture... Yeah, no uh, stars images. in the background. No stars in the background. Mm. Yeah. See, uh, the thing with that is that even the luminescence of the stars without uh, the atmosphere that we're currently in would be so low that if they are, in fact, shooting in lunar daytime and just getting enough exposure to get the astronauts, those stars would be completely gone. You wouldn't be able to see it in the exposure of the shot. All right. Well, then how do we get stars of the night sky here? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't they adjust their shutter speed or something if they really wanted? I mean, I would think oh, yes, if, I, if absolutely. I... they they could and they would, but I'd imagine that with regards to them being um, being on a mission as well as possibly not even being the most adept photographers going up there and being astronauts already. But right. how would how would the film survive the temperatures of the moon? These are 1969 Hasselblad found film with uh, celluloid film cameras at 150 degrees Fahrenheit and higher. H- how does how how would that survive? Well, I mean, uh, I guess the other question then would be, how do our astronauts survive on uh, the Mir space station? Well, they don't they don't go outside. Um, they th- they're in the cocoon, right? <laughs> well, I mean, they they, they they're don't not go outside t- extensively, but they do go outside. Well, they're not going outside with such flimsy uh, cameras on, uh, mounted well, on their well, the chest. the Allen belt doesn't start for a thousand miles uh, above their Earth's surface. So. All right, I appreciate John, the, the photographer, checking in, adding to the uh, conversation. Uh, let's um, let's go back to uh, to Miss Jane Steele. Okay, so we've talked about. Uh, I mean, I mean, we're skimming the surface here, but keep in mind yeah. we have an hour, so. Uh, we've talked about the radiation. We've talked about, and these are the more popular you know, uh, pieces of evidence that have been pointed out. We, we've talked about the, the, uh, the, the no stars in the, in the background or the foreground. What, what other, and we've talked about the, 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 the absence of a crater blast when the, the LEM module came down and when it took off. What else? What else would you point to and say, that doesn't look right, that doesn't meet the sniff test? Well, I think the actual movement of the astronauts, the way they're moving, uh, the motion that they have, in the videos, it, it isn't right. It, it isn't the way they would actually move if they were on the moon in that type of um, gravity. I think it's one-sixth of our yes, gravity. right. So I think that comes to um, actually how were these videos or these stills actually created because it just... It, it isn't right. That's you, just not how they would move at all. So, in other words, uh, if they're if they're only weighing one sixth their actual weight, they shouldn't be moving around in slow motion. In slow motion, exactly. Yeah. Well, how should they be moving, Morgan? Hey, th- this whole thing about gravity is an interesting thing because uh, retired pilot John Lear turned me onto this book by uh, one Parry Spolter, and uh, it's called the Gravitational Force of the Sun. And uh, she, in a, in a, and I'm not saying I, I, I know or understand, but one of the uh, implications of her uh, re- revolutionary look at gravity is that the moon's uh, gravity would be about two-thirds of the Earth. And I notice in the book, uh, you, uh, my, my t- other two panelists are probably familiar with this book by uh, Bennett and Percy called Dark Moon. 
<laughs> and on, uh, let's see, what page that is, 142, uh, the authors write, uh, even more so since NASA and the Soviet Union had both experienced disturbing gravitational anomalies during lunar orbits involving their respective unmanned craft. I would like to know a lot more about that. All right. <laughs> because because if, there, if the moon really is only one-sixth of ours, that would be one, uh, way, one engineering problem to uh, master in terms of orbiting and possibly okay. even landing. We've got the music coming up here. We'll uh, break away back with more of our panel on the lunar landing hoax when The Conspiracy Show returns. My name is Richard Serrett. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. All right, I got a, you know, I've laid my, my, my cards on the table. On this one, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm willing to entertain just about any... Uh, alternative viewpoint on the program and uh, and discuss it rigorously. This one, although, I, I have to say, there's some pretty compelling evidence on both sides. One of the things that's always intrigued me, though, about the lunar landing uh, or lunar landings was, here we got six of them all happening during the first presidential administration of Richard Nixon. All six happened in that first four years, and yet... No other leader of any other state ever claimed to have landed astronauts on the moon, even though you would assume the mechanical means to do so would have become progressively easier after almost 40 years of steady technological development. Nobody else ever landed a man man on the moon. Or claimed to. Or claimed to, which is interesting. But my question to you, um, uh, Morgan, all of you really is, I would think that at the, the height of the Cold War... Had Nixon's administration faked the moon landing, the Soviets would have been happy to uh, to argue for a hoax as some sort of a propaganda victory. Don't you? Uh, I mean, if well, it was a hoax... there's various answers to that. Uh, one is just lay back and, and let those guys collapse because everybody knows you have a stake in this. But more, more uh, likely is, remember, they're both using Nazi rocket scientists to a, a large extent. Uh, the Russians arguably uh, had, uh, they certainly had more uh, reliable and um, heavier rocket launchers. They, they, I think they had better engineers, we, and we were way, way behind. And uh, they're, they're probably, given this alternating months, I do this, you do that, I think there was more likely cooperation uh, between the, the, the teams. So it's one of these, uh, there's a lot of uh, best of enemies going on here, right? I need you, for, for my Pentagon, I need to have a, a, a threat. You know, we, we even make it up in the, in the Muslim world, which is really fantastic. But uh, the Soviet Union at least kind of uh, play, looks like the villain and, and uh, is a much better candidate. So uh, we don't really know. There, there's a, uh, a lot of things that are going on here. I like it uh, to go back to the narrower evidence rather than this uh, big picture thing, you know. I understand. No, that's a good point. It's just, that's something that's yeah. always sort of uh, um, stuck in my craw about this. I mean, uh, here's, I guess, the, the million-dollar question, and again, keeping in mind our time constraints. How was it done? 
Uh, I mean, was this in fact um, uh, told to us in Capricorn uh, One that uh, that movie in 1978? Is that how they did it on a on a in the desert on a soundstage somewhere? Or how 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 was this thing pulled off, Morgan? Let me make a, uh, before we go there, how they did it, because uh, it's it's easier to prove that they faked it, okay, than exactly how they did it. Uh, one, A couple more comments about uh, Jack White, the photo analyst, points out in his time and motion study how impossible all these uh, NASA photos are. All these well-composed beauties, uh, these guys had all these other duties, it couldn't have happened. And, and it, the lunar lander really bothers me. The lunar module, which is anybody with any common sense, look at this thing and start laughing. You know, it's just a, a flimsy joke. And w- when you think about it, never landed before. You know, and the, the throttle, it, it's a question whether it really had a throttle or not, but <laughs> let's suppose it did. <laughs> and. You, you know the film where they come in and Neil Armstrong, everything's smooth. There's no noise. There's, there's no heat problem, even though this thing is uh, uh, very close to them, uh, burning at 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. There's no shake, rattle, and roll, you know. Right, they got right. this noise, vibration, harshness thing just mastered. There's no hovering like a helicopter would. And, uh, you know, NASA stands for never a straight answer. <laughs> there, there is no party line. Remember, they were going to um, commission a book by James Oberg. I think the reason they backed out of it because it would be incoherent. There, there, there's no way they can come out. So they rely on these uh, bloggers and and who knows, a, a handful may be getting uh, payments or whatever. But the, uh, everywhere you look, uh, it's clear that th- this thing is a, is a complete fake. And remember, there's no independent observers or press. There's no Jamie McIntyre stumbling into this thing and on CNN and saying, uh, by my close-up inspection, there's no sign of any uh, large engine parts or airplane or whatever, right? They're, they have it completely within their control. But it's such a complicated problem, they can't really fake it. Especially now, it's great that four decades later, there's a uh, renewed interest in this. Now, how did they do it? Yeah, like Capricorn One. Uh, I'm. If you look at these sets. <laughs> okay, let me just jump no in here, Morgan, because I've got the music coming up. I got a breakaway. We'll we'll okay. discuss when we come back. Nelson Thal, Jane Steele, Morgan Reynolds, the lunar landing hoax on the conspiracy show. Stay with us. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. And we have our Lunar Landing Hoax uh, panel assembled here. Ms. Jane Steele, uh, producer, playwright, and uh, media scientist Nelson Thal. And on the line... Uh, from the United States, we have Dr. Morgan Reynolds, and uh, let me uh, let me throw this one out to Nelson and uh, and also to uh, to Jane. Pick this up. Uh, we we wanted to get into a discussion of how this was pulled off. If this was in fact a, a hoax, if it was staged, where did they do it? Who did it? Who was responsible? 
Yeah, I I have to go along with uh, the theory that's been put forward by Jay Widener, and that is that I think that Stanley Kubrick was very much involved. I think it was using front screen projection. I think they used MK Ultra mind control on these guys. I think that they used Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I think these guys using implants and drugs, MK Ultra, actually were put in a simulator and believed, actually believed that they were on the the moon. This is not difficult to do, understanding the sophisticated MK Ultra project. And I think that ultimately was done so that they could siphon off the real big money uh, for putting together a, a particle beam weapons space command system. We must remember Walter Dornberger, who was sentenced to hang at uh, Nuremberg, is the one who chose von Braun. Von Braun and Nord Dornberger worked together for Hitler and uh, Von Dornberger, of course, was very much connected to the JFK assassination. Michael Payne worked for Dornberger. The British sent a letter to the Americans saying, execute him, just as he was asked. Okay. So there's... You mentioned you've got Kubrick. Some day, you've got guys there. You mentioned are, Kubrick. Yeah. I think that the, a, 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 a plausible argument could be made that Kubrick was brought in to, to film it on a soundstage because there was so much on the line here, they couldn't you know, had they ever never attempted to to you know to to um, to to beam a, a television image from the moon back to Earth that way, uh, I'm guessing that just as a as a safeguard, Nixon or NASA administration didn't want to risk that image not getting to the American public. This was their showcase, their triumphant uh, you know victory over the Soviets in the space race. So they had Kubrick. Film that actually in a soundstage. That's what Americans saw. Saw, but the actual landing may have taken place. Well, actually, um, Stanley Kubrick was um, first approached in the early '60s um, after he made the movie Doctor Strangelove because he had some phenomenal, um, what would you call it, uh, special effects in yeah. recreating um, some of the military planes, and they wouldn't let him take any pictures of those planes for his movie so he did these amazing special effects so he was approached to do the moon landing uh, videos at that time but also to do the 2001 space odyssey right he did that at the same time so that started in the early 60s 63 64 65 until it was uh, produced in 1968 and that was when we first saw it. And, of course, in that movie, you can see the slow motion scenes to get us accustomed to what the videos would look like in the slow motion moves. So he created 2001 Space Odyssey in order to prepare us for the lunar landing hoax. Yes, and, and to test And to test the techniques on the audience so that a year later when he d- did the real moon hoax, that he would be able to see how well they did. It was a test case. It was a testing the audience, see if it would work, the front screen projection. And if you look at the Space Odyssey and view it and, and side by side the pictures from the moon, <laughs> it's uncanny. It's the, same, it's the same process. Now, let me ask uh, Morgan. I don't, I don't agree with, with that. We, we don't really have the evidence to uh, pin this on uh, Kubrick. <laughs> one, one thing that bothers me is that he was such a perfectionist. He wouldn't let this <laughs> mediocre stuff out the door, I don't think. 
You think and, it was, but do you think it was? It was definitely done in a sound stage studio. Do you? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the giveaways. There's so many giveaways, but one is in the foreground. There's a, a, a fair. There's quite a bit of detail. You know, little rocks and stuff. Yeah. And in the background, it is all smooth. Yeah. And you can almost see the line between the, you know, the 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 sandy set and and the, and the backdrop. Right. But if you look it, at it, the. And, and those those hills don't match uh, the aerial photography of, of the moon surface. You know, it's much craggier uh, than, than the the background. There are also so claims that I, I don't think I don't think it's Kubrick. It, 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 it's somebody not near as good. Uh-huh. Let me ask you this: This is whenever there's a a claim of some sort. You know, that somebody conspired. Uh, to pull something off, uh, people say, "Well, how can you keep something like that secret?" We know, you know, in the, we had the it, with NASA, you had four hundred thousand people working over ten years on the Apollo project. How are you going to keep four hundred thousand people? That's easy, you know. NASA, let's recognize, is, is a civilian front for a military operation. If you're really competing with the Soviets, life and death, and nuclear war, uh, war and so on. Uh, that, that's very easy to establish. And then all the major contractors are the usual suspects, okay? <laughs> yeah. Boeing and Grumman and all these people, they're all ex, uh, mostly ex-military and, uh, you know, it's a revolving door. And everybody is used to secrecy. Yeah. When, when they say, how can they... And further, of course, there's the compartmentalization. It's a need to know, you know, only a, a, a couple of hundred people at the top really uh, get the whole picture. And uh, the, there were uh, engineers are quoted as saying, you know, I, I always had the feeling that this was fake. There wasn't enough concern with quality and really solving engineering problems, Okay. In other words, the simulation was agreed early. You know, there's no way we can do this by the end of the, uh, the, the, the engineering problems are insurmountable. Do you know how they supposedly defecated on the Apollo moon missions? They had a plastic bag with tape. <laughs> they'd tape it to their bones, and then they'd inject a bactericide in there, and then they'd take the, t- you know, in weightless, everything. Is That's a bit of a farmer's fix-it, as we used to call it, yeah. Huh? <laughs> All right, Nelson, you wanted uh, to jump uh, in here. Dr. Uh, Dr. Reynolds, do you think they ever did send unmanned a craft to land on the moon? I'd, oh, yes, I do, yes. Um uh, in, in other words, that's within our uh, technical capability. So, uh, 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 however, we do need this uh, reservation always because they're controlling what images we see and, and, and the like. You know, it's like this uh, new, um, uh, well, since what, 09, the, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, and they keep promising, we're going to show you pictures of uh the, the the residual of the demand and it's just a joke, you know. Yeah. But but have an amateur te- can an amateur uh, astronomer with a decent telescope see the uh, some of the artifacts that were left behind on the moon? Haven't they reported not seeing? from Earth? No, no, and you not know, only the Hubble the Hubble telescope was in what uh, low Earth orbit, and that uh, that. that that could, I think, do it, but uh, and certainly these these uh, probes orbiting um, the moon could, 
but they aren't giving it to us because I don't think it's there. And uh, if they did know, it now, <laughs> if they did it now, they we know that they falsify these forensics since the JFK yeah. assassination. They've got Oswald's palm print on the gun that they took in the morgue. I mean, you can't believe anything anymore. From that's, them. that's right. A good, that's Unless a good point. you establish it independently, you've got to uh, tread most carefully. So what's going to happen in a few years? I mean, China says they're close. They're close to landing uh, someone on the moon. So are they going to have to fake it, too, or what's going to happen? The, the, the radiation problem is insurmountable by current technology. You'd have to have some kind of, quote, remember when you were kids, invisible shield. Right, right. <laughs> and what are the Americans... Sorry, because you can't get the lead out. You know, you, you can't get the lead up in the air and, and orbiting. It's just uh, you need a, a, a you know six feet of lead uh, to. to uh, and the Soviets always insisted we won't uh, make any attempt to go to the moon unless we can uh, guarantee virtually the the safety of our cosmonauts. Whereas we were very ca- uh, casual about it. You know, it's not a problem. Well, it's not a problem because you're not really going. Miss Steele, why did they fake the lunar landing? What was the what was the motive? Any ideas? I mean, this thing cost them what well, thirty billion dollars. Why back would they? Then and it's one hundred and thirty-five yeah. today. Today's dollars. I think possibly, you know, I think if you look back to who was in charge of NASA, and we're going to say Werner von Braun. And um, he was part of the Operation Paperclip when they took the Nazi scientists and they took them out of Germany and mm-hmm. brought them to America, to the U.S. of A. And um, I think they've infiltrated. We've got the Nazi uh, Fourth Reich here now. And, of course, they would have taken that money. And I think, as Nelson said, they used it for other weaponry, for other things. You know, they took all that money. And, of course, they certainly didn't use it, did they? Not They didn't get to the moon. No, no. Uh, so $30 billion of free money, they, they funneled that into some other program? Well, else? building particle sure. satellite, I mean, building the, the system they have now, which is they're able to use particle beams from, from uh, satellites, and they're able to use the Hubble spacecraft as a mirror and shoot a, a powerful laser from the ground, particle beam from the ground, reflect it off the laser back down to Earth and, and, and do damage. It's a weapon. They built a a, a space weapons with it is, is all right is i want to i want to work in one quick 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 call can i do it david yes or no yes let's say hello to uh, john in amsterdam new york hello john welcome yeah thank you richard uh i'm amazed with your program i doubt that they went because they came down and we saw these photos uh, taken that we're all skeptical about but we've never seen at least i haven't seen any photographic evidence of that lunar landing uh, as it leaves the orbit and hooks up to return to the Earth. I don't think they had the technology to, to uh, come I agree with that. Back. First of all, yeah, you've got to, and their computers, it's just a joke, you know, you you got to catch a uh, an orbiter, the command module that's going 4,000 miles an hour, okay? You need to have, there's no way a human being piloting this can, can pull this okay. off. Okay. All right. John in Amsterdam, New York, thank you for the call. Morgan Reynolds, uh, leave us with a website. Yes, nomoregames.net. Nomoregames.net. Morgan, a great pleasure. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Thanks, Morgan. Ms. Jane Steele, a delight as always. Nelson Thal. Pleasure. 
Yeah, right. it's been great. Thank you. All right. Listen, uh, next week on the program, Joseph Farrell, Babylon's Banksters, The Alchemy of Deep Physics, High Finance, and Ancient Religion. Did we get to the moon? Well, perhaps the answer lies in the book of Psalms. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.